Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer or coffee or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an amazing, exciting, and much-anticipated episode of FinTech Brews and News. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. And today... Um, why this is such a remarkable episode for us is because we have some extremely special guests that are the future partnership group of Central Payments, um, Tony Scavuzzo and Ryan Gilbert. Um, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Guys, um, first off, uh, as Nikki said, you are uh, a new investment group that's come into Central Payments. Um, we've done our first capital raise um, for our young little company. And uh, tell us a little bit, um, first, Tony, tell us a little bit about you and the folks at Castle Creek Capital and why um, why central payments sort of fit in your investment strategy. Sure. Happy to. And thanks again, uh, guys, for having us. We're equally as excited about this opportunity and, and ready to get the partnership going. Um, I have an entire career in banking, um, almost 20 years now spent in some form of banking. I was working at a community bank for probably the first seven or eight years of, of my career and then transitioned into uh, private equity investing in community banks. Um, our company was founded 30 years ago, so we've been around for a long time. And our, you know, our pitch is we really want to be the premier capital provider and partner, uh, you know, to community banks and, you know, financial service companies that, that are adjacent to uh, community banking. And so, to be honest, we've been looking for a payments company to partner with for a while and just have not found the right team uh, and the right operating company. And, you know, we were fortunate enough, you know, maybe five months ago now to have a mutual friend who's on our advisory board that uh, connected Trent and, and Castle Creek. And, you know, here we are today uh, ready to get going. Woo yeah, it's an exciting time. Um as everybody knows, Castle Creek is a, a very well-known private equity group in community banking. And I think a lot of people might say like, why would, why is a community banking private equity group, you know, investing in central payments? And I, I think we'll get to that um, because I think it is an interesting story. And Trent, on, on the heels of that, also Ryan Gilbert's with us, which everybody in FinTech knows Ryan. He's an amazing um, guy that's been around for a while and done a lot of things in FinTech, actually for Falls FinTech. Uh, he's been on a, a few um, kind of seminars and stuff for our early stage founders. So Ryan, um, founder of Launchpad Capital, talk a little bit about your um, your current fund and what you're up to. Great. Well, thank you again. And, and thanks for having us. And we're pleased to be on this next stage of the journey with, with all of you and with Tony and the Castle Creek team. Um, Launchpad Capital is a venture firm focusing on early stage financial services and technology companies. We're based in Oakland, California. We've backed about 55 teams to date and have just announced a new fund that we've 
ways together with the Castle Creek team, Tony and David Volk and, and other members of the team. And it's out of that fund that we'll be investing in your company. Um, so we're thrilled to be partnering with you. We think that the core elements of financial services and technology is payments. It's the ability to accept funds and move funds and do it in a compliant and trustworthy manner. And that's what your organization has achieved over the years. I think there's a lot we're going to be able to do together, introductions to new customers and new business partners, and together grow your business. Fantastic. And I think just to pick up on that, because I think one of the things about this raise that I found really unique and really compelling is that we've always said central payments sits at this intersection of banking, financial services, and fintech, as well as payments. And I think, you know, this new investor group um, must look at it the same way, because if you think of the combination of, you know, a, a a private equity firm that's that's been around a long time with Ryan and his new fund who you know Ryan spent a career in fintech I, the the investor group I think it, is pretty indicative of where central payment sits in the landscape um guys I mean as you looked at the central payments opportunity and I think maybe I'll go to Tony first how did you you know you said you'd been looking at fintech opportunities and payments opportunities how are you viewing the market today for community banks and why you believe this is adjacent to what you've been doing for a long time there at castle creek yeah well before i answer that just to pick up something you said earlier i mean the the intersection of where we sit it's it's technology charter and choice right which is your your guys uh way of describing things and it perfectly describes how how fintech and community banking kind of come together which is what what we see and you know, I think I think the pandemic really changed things for for us being Castle Creek because prior to that, in our world at least, a lot of the fintech and banking conversations were competitive, and so it was how you know how does how do banks fight fintech? How do they fight fintech? And when the pandemic hit, it became more a uh, well, gee, there's a lot of ways they can work together too, and so the tone kind of changed more from fighting to partnership. And we just stepped back and said, you know, we think that the pandemic kind of accelerated, you know, fintech's adoption by a decade. And we just said, we got to we got to start doing something here. Things are changing. We're not going to get left behind. We are not fintech experts, but we know enough to be dangerous. And we're fortunate, fortunate enough to partner with an expert like Ryan uh, to help, you know, our firm go to the next level and start to look at other things. So. Ryan, from there, how do you respond to that? Like, what's your vantage point on the fintech side of the house? What's what? What do you look for um, for investing opportunities? Look, uh, you know, we I, everything comes down to to us what we call the four T's: team, tech, TAM, and timing. Um, and we we started with team because in any enterprise, it comes down to the people behind it. And and under trans leadership, as as a, as a founder of the of the business, the organization that you've all grown together. You've got some really experienced people, folks that others in this industry look up to, and the types of people we want to partner with. Also, people that are very committed to and invest in the business. The the large addressable market, the technology that you've built with your open platform, as well as the timing, I think all make this a very compelling opportunity. We talk about fintech, but I go back to the early days of fintech, which I'll probably say is 25 years ago, when payments was fintech. And think about what's happened since then. There's new types of products to enable savings and asset management. There's an emphasis on loan origination. Um, prop tech and insure tech have, have spun out of, of core fintech. But it all comes down to the ability to accept payments and to move money, which is where you are. 
We're excited about that. It's not necessarily the sexiest part of the infrastructure stack, but it's the most critical. I don't think any fintech company on the planet can be in business if they can't facilitate the movement of funds. But it also puts a massive burden on your team, a focus on compliance and understanding that you work with regulated financial institutions who have their own regulators who are going to look over their shoulders and in turn want to be sure that they're looking at you. And I think you can lead, I hope you will lead, with compliance as a key element of your value proposition. So when customers come to your company in the future, they'll know full well that they're working with an organization that's going to help them achieve their goals in a safe, consistent, compliance way. If they don't feel that's the way, they shouldn't be partnering with central payments. But if they buy into that, then you're the right organization. Well, and I uh, just to kind of pick up on that trend, because I think one thing we've talked about in spirit of this partnership is um, our, our value proposition of technology charter and choice has also been founded by being real bank as a service. And what does that look like? And for us, compliance matters so deeply because we are bankers. Frankly, the leadership group and a lot of our team come from banks. Um, historically. So. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, this transaction spins us out of a bank. And so um, I like to think we come at this thing. I, I like to call us fintech bankers um, because that is our background. That is what most all of us have been doing. And so coming out of a bank and this spin out, I think to Ryan's point, positions us very uniquely as we talk about the subject matter expertise in risk management in funds movement and reconciliation. And and to, to the point made earlier, not the sexiest thing, but in this world where, you know, technology, uh, FinTech has to partner with a bank for most everything they do, that component is so important. Um, and, and that is really where we sit. That's where we're mm -hmm. comfortable. Um, if somebody the other day, I said, look, there, in about every type of program that we do and others do, there's usually a ledger and then there's usually cash movement. The technology that sits in between the ledger and the cash movement, I, no one talks about it because it isn't the sexiest thing in the world, but man, it is so important. And, and in this day and age, we're seeing weaknesses begin to emerge where that spot, that intersection between ledger and cash, um, you know, we, we, there's, there's a few situations out there right now where um, weaknesses are being exposed. So uh, that's the beauty of this partnership uh, is that Ryan and Tony see the market very similar to the way we do. That's what you want when you, when you seek outside investment. Certainly, um, we love the financial uh, benefit of having Launchpad and Castle Creek come in. But most importantly, we want to be aligned uh, on our mission. And, uh, and these two guys, um, you know, really see it the same way we do. So it's, it's been great. So the other thing that to touch on there, Trent, is, you know, we emphasize all the things you've got to do. The, 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 the must-dos. But I think there's also things that we want to do, and that's to make this an easier experience for new partners who come and work with the company. Um, I, I, I hear unlimited complaints about the interactions that, that financial services entrepreneurs have with their financial institutions. Companies that are, are very eager to sign contracts, but as soon as the ink dries, it's radio silence, it's hoops of compliance, it's folks that take extended vacations and don't return calls because, you know, bankers don't check email on the weekend. Um, you're running a startup. I think you're going to, hopefully, you'll be running on startup time. You'll be 24-7 available like Tony's Cavuzzo and be in a position to, to serve these clients because they are relying on your business in order to get to their next stage. 
whether they established mega brand in in in, uh, in consumer goods that are using your your products for for incentive purposes, or whether it's a new startup down the street that came out of your full fintech accelerator wanting to rely on you. Um, customer service matters, and uh, and that's where I think we can win as well. We find all the time um, our compliance folks. I mean, we we have partners that send our compliance folks flowers, not because they want to, you know, try to get a favor our compliance people. They're just so appreciative of the subject matter expertise that our risk management team brings and helps them through what is a very, very daunting process if your background is engineering. And many of the partners we work with, like if you think about the early stage companies, these are folks coming from engineering. The last thing they want to think about is reg E, right? And so to have a partner that guides them through the complexity. Um, you know, we, we are constantly hearing how appreciative they are of that. And I think that relationship, and, and we're, like I said earlier, we're seeing some cracks in those relationships and Ryan sees it from probably the best perspective. Um, talk a little bit about the marketplace today, Ryan, and, and where you see um, FinTech banks, um, the partnerships that work, the partnerships that don't, um, it's an interesting time right now, and I'm I'm really curious from your perspective what the early stage community is saying about their relationships with banks. They they don't love them. I mean, there's 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 no love lost, and and, and they're they're seeking new love. Um, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But these are relationships that are difficult to win, but super easy to lose. And my biggest concern is that companies like ours spend a lot of time and money acquiring customers a lot of time spent on integrations, and then something goes wrong along that way and the customer is gonna run away as quickly as a customer can run. And very little that we can do because uh, you know, if, I suppose you look at your contracts, you'll feel they, they're pretty bulletproof and tough to get out of. Well, I'm a lawyer, there's always a way out. And I think that that's the attitude that most customers have. So every day we've got to earn our customers' trust and, and business and be in a position to, to continue, continue to serve them. I think it also means that that bankers and, 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 and service providers to these challenges need to leave their offices and go travel again. Show up at your clients' offices, get to know what's really driving them, do on-site visits and diligence, but then you'll really get a better understanding of what's, of what's out. And be in a position where we're not always optimizing for the last bottom dollar, which is easy to do in a rising interest rates environment. And rather be in a position to say, what happens if rates fall again? How are these business models going to be viable how are we all going to make money together? I think that's going to be a better outcome for the long-term duration because we're not going to be sitting at the current rates forever. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. It takes me back to the genesis of Falls FinTech. And Trent and I were sitting in a room going, you know, these early stage companies that come to us and say, man, you guys seem to kind of have it figured out, whatever that means. Um, will you be my bank? And they were just so early. And so we aspired to be able to say yes more. How do we serve these guys that have these great ideas? And uh, I'm often dubbed the squishy one. I'm like, gosh, Trent, we just got to, we got to help these guys. We got to, you know, and so coming back to the start of false fintech, it was all about how do we teach them the things that are important for them to know, but be their partner, be their, you know, I've got a people bent to everything I do. And if we don't understand that our customers are people, our investors are people, our employees are people, everybody's just trying to do um, life together the best they can and finding people to do that with. Uh, we aspire to make it easy for them and stay the course for for what matters. Well, I mean, I think, and I'll just pick up on that real quick. Uh, the reason we started Falls Fintech is much of the same thing we're talking about here. There is this, There was this gap between early stage companies and founders and what banks need and expect. And 
you know, we, we, one of the reasons we started false fintech was to try to help us come a little closer to them and them come a little closer to us and try to make a relationship out of it. Because it is, if you don't do that, it is a very, a very challenging situation. Um, guys, it's a tough market right now. Um, we are very, very, uh, honored to, you know, be able to raise $30 million, um, in a market that, you know, most of the stories are, um, companies laying people off because they couldn't raise money. Um, so we feel very fortunate in that Tony, you, you, you see the market, um, from a, from a banker's perspective, how would you describe what's going on out there today and how does it affect these bank fintech relationships? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, there's several ways to take that question. You know, I think it's very, very challenging. I mean, I think banks have uniformly accepted that the role of fintech is going to have in the future. And I think the smarter ones are figuring out how can we really partner, you know, and, and the keyword being partner with them to provide solutions or, or um, products and services that, that their customers value more or make them better in some way, smarter or faster. Um, but, you know, the innovation's happening so quickly that I, I just think the banking sector is generally slower to learn compared to fintech. And so it's just going to take some time for these partnerships, you know, to really evolve. I mean, one of the many things that, you know, impressed me when I first met you guys was, you know, I think the technology charter and choice is a real competitive advantage. I mean, I think you guys have a real defined competitive advantage where some banks that we work with now that we have been invested in for several years, you know, are doing banking as a service or trying to do banking as a service. But admittedly, there's not much value add there. It's, you know, they're providing probably a low price to XYZ FinTech microsave company. And so they partner. And as soon as a better deal comes along, they're gone and they're finding a new bank. And you just kind of step back and you say, well, we really, that bank didn't really have any competitive advantage. There was really no secret sauce. So I think the fintechs that, that figure out also how to partner with banks, um, accept the compliance, accept the regulatory pieces and can meld those two together are going to be the, the survivors. I, I don't think it's either or. I think banking and fintech are coming together and have to come together, you know, to form a better version of the future. And it's about time. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, it goes back to the origins here when we said, look, we, we have to do something different. There's a lot of sponsor banks out there, um, especially right here in Sioux Falls. You can throw a rock and hit a sponsor bank in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, you know, in the early days, Eric and I said, like, what if we built some technology? What if we, what if we moved the bank's role up the value chain, if you will? And, you know, Ryan, you made the point earlier, you're a lawyer. There's always a way to get out of a contract. What, what we really look at it is that's absolutely true. But boy, when you integrate into the technology and you want to unwind out of the technology, that in many cases, from our perspective could be as strong of a relationship bond as the actual contract, because no one wants to unwind out of open CP and then reconnect somewhere else and pull all the pieces and the parts together that they were getting from a single gateway, um, if you will, in open CP. And so oftentimes as we're talking about programs that were, you know, prospects that if they start to code, you almost feel more reassured than if they actually sign on the contract, because mm -hmm. when they start to code, you know, at that point, that's, that's a real commitment, especially for large companies that, you know, aren't able to really hop around between providers. You know, they, they get developers for a period of time to build a product with us. 
and they don't want to have to go put pieces and parts together and manage all those all those connections and so you know the the technology was unbelievably important you know when we came up because otherwise to tony's point it was a bit of a commodity service. I'm just trying to lowball one of the other banks here in town. And then they're trying to lowball me on another deal. And we're just sort of doing this race to the bottom in terms of commodity pricing, like any commodity. So Trent, on, on that note, you know, we focus on a lot of times an ideal customer profile, and sometimes people forget about an ideal investor profile. So I want to ask for you from Central Payments' perspective, why was Castle Creek and Launchpad Capital, the right investors for central payments? Yeah, what a great question. Um, we talked about, uh, look, I think in the reality, Launchpad, I don't want to speak for Launchpad or Castle Creek, but I really had the feeling early on as we were talking with them that their view of the marketplace um, was very, very well aligned with our view. And so, you know, there were a lot of opportunities to raise funds from a lot of sources, but the most important thing, you know, and after, you know, the, the deposit hits the bank account is that you can build a business together. Um, we are aligned. Um, our success is their success. And, you know, to bring in uh, two um, very well-respected uh, investment firms, two central payments, it was less about the dollars and more about making sure we all see the market the same way. We attack the market the same way. And, you know, our success is their success. I think, you know, I love to talk about, I love almost to set aside the financial, uh, uh, the financial benefit of bringing these two companies in and talk more about what they're going to do to help central payments, um, be a better team, right? Make a better market offering. Um, how are they, how are they going? What are the value adds? And, and maybe that's the question here. You know, Tony, I'd love to get your perspective on what are the value adds that, that Castle Creek is proud of when, when you do make an investment in a company? Yeah. You know, we like to, we like to think we're more than, more than capital, right? I mean, our, our, you know, the, the head, the head slogan on our website is to be the premier partner and capital provider to banks and, and financial service companies. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, operating strategy or, or operational excellence or efficiency or hiring the right people and, and you know, aligning, aligning um, you know, incentives around those objectives, we're here to help in any way that we can support, you know, support your, your business. It, it, once the partnership starts, we view everybody equally and, you know, we're all one team now. And so, you know, there may be one piece of the business that, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, more experienced in and Nikki, there may be a piece that you're more experienced in and it's combining those things together and not having any ego and just in driving towards the, the, the corporate goals. And, and again, helping you support you guys in any way we can, not just with capital, but with ideas and strategy as well. Yeah. Ryan, I'll come to you in a second, but when, when Tony visited the office and, you know, it, it, it was such ex an interesting experience to to raise capital for central payments. And, you know, I said right away, I said, look, just I'm not a PowerPoint guy. We've got PowerPoints. I'll show you the PowerPoints, but we, we have to build a relationship. And Tony and I did that right away. I mean, I still remember sitting in my office and just kind of hearing each other bounce ideas off one another um, and then saying, yeah, he, he gets it. They, they understand the space and they understand what we're trying to do. And so, look, we, we we graciously accept their check, but I'm I'm most excited 
like I said, once the deposit hits the account, the next thing that we do together, mm -hmm. uh, frankly, um, Ryan, so you've got a stake in 55 ish companies. This is the first investment that, um, the fund with Castle Creek, you have a new fund uh, with Castle Creek. Uh, this is the first investment that you're making in that fund. Uh, when you look at companies and your portfolio today, what, where, where are the success stories? Um, and what would you point to um, that makes a good, a good relationship between you and the, and the company that Launchpad is investing in? Well, thanks for that question. I, I'd say that that strong communication is, is the, probably the foundation for any success. Um, a, a relationship that's built on trust and, and absolute radical transparency, which is difficult to do, especially for new relationships. But hopefully one that I can sum up is this. Don't call us when things are going great. We'll know. Call us when things go bad. That's when we can help. And um, it's, it let us be the first call in those circumstances. Don't, don't wait till board meetings. Don't, don't delay. Um, often it's, it's too late. And I think that um, it's, it's, it's very difficult for entrepreneurs to call their partners and their investors and their board members when things are going bad because you all want to fix this yourself. That's your job. You, 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 you're the superheroes in those capes, not us. But I'm t saying let's have a little bit of, you know, let, let's, let's take the cape off to an extent. And remember, we're in this all together. And I think if we can achieve that, a lot more can be done. The, the other element uh, in, in 2022, sitting here in August, to remember what's going on around us. Significant layoffs in the technology sector, even more significantly so in the financial services and technology sector. Um, there are companies that are hurting right now um, because of what's going on in public equity markets and, and so many stocks that are trading down. Um, customers are taking longer to say yes to implementations. I'm sure that sales cycles across the board are going to extend out. And you're now stewards with us of our investors' capital and your own capital. So let's make this money last as long as possible, but also deliver the greatest possible results in that time frame. Um, as owners, we need to think about every dollar we invest and how we spend our days and, and who we have on our team and consistently review those investments and be willing to make cuts and, 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 and press pause or stop where it makes sense. It may be that some customers are not the right customers for this point in time because of macro risks as opposed to their own risks or our risks and, 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 and address that and evaluate at all times. But it's also a long journey. It's a marathon more than a sprint. And let's just be sure that we, we are pacing appropriately to get out there. Um, and hopefully we, we, we get around this corner and uh, the markets change to our advantage. But if they don't change rapidly enough, we need to know that we're well-funded and strong and well-resourced from a human capital perspective and a technology perspective to outlast any cycles and come out as one of the winners. I also think there's going to be many winners. It's not just going to be us, hopefully. And how do we collaborate with others in the ecosystem? There could be companies that we have partnerships with. There could be M&A opportunities down the track. We should be open to all those conversations because I think together we'll build a better company with that uh, approach. Yeah, look, our, our one of our primary value props is the ability to bring companies to the whole ecosystem, and and that just that it, it's essential that we have outstanding relationships with everybody in that ecosystem, and and we're very proud of the fact that we do. And I think to Ryan's point, there are going to be more. I mean, we're never going to stop. That ecosystem is changing, and we have to change with it. And uh, and those relationships, you and I were just talking about it at lunch yesterday. Those relationships with those partners to 
to bring the best the best of class um, inside of inside of the ecosystem is is incredibly important to central payments. And you've done that before, and your accelerator was a down payment towards that, and and getting people to work together. So so why not? Hopefully, this is a, an accelerator to that acceleration. Uh, last question for Tony. Uh, Tony, uh, pull out your crystal ball. You know, one of the things I know you look at and, and every investor looks at is what what does my company that I'm investing in look like five to 10 years from now? Can you take us into those discussions a little bit at Castle Creek as you evaluated that in relation to central payments? Yeah, sure. And I think, you know, part of, well, first of all, my crystal ball is foggy. So let's be clear here that, you know, there's no prognostication that's going to be accurate. I'm surely going to be wrong. Uh, so let's get that out there. But you know, Ryan talked about uh, TAM is one of the things that he looks at in terms of total addressable market. And when we underwrote this, uh, you know, coming in to this, given where you guys sit today and where we think that this can go within that market, um, you know, the 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 growth that was needed is is I don't want to under um, undersell it, but as a as a percentage of the market or, or or a fraction of the market, it's not huge what what we can do here to achieve greatness. And so for us to, you know, take sales to, to five to 10 times where, where they are today, um, but then also build out the profitability of the business and, and really develop true even a margin. Um, I think that's when you create something of substantive value, right? If you've got the sales growth and you've got the supporting EBITDA margin, you're going to get an incredible valuation for that. Um, so those two things are really, really important for us as we look to the future in terms of, you know, the financial metrics. But, you know, also just standing up corporate governance around this, right, going from a startup to maybe a more mature company and buttoning up some other areas of corporate governance and oversight and adding some people that, that can help there, too. So, you know, it's not just the, the sales and EBITDA that we're striving for. It's, you know, are we also building something more holistic of, of, of value as a company, right? A sustainable, you know, operating company. Yeah, I love that. Ryan, anything you want to add? I, I think one of the, look, we, there, there's so much fog out there. I think we've thrown out the crystal balls. But one, one of my hopes is that it, when we talk again in, in this forum, whether it's in a few weeks or a few years, let's look at all the customer success that we've been able to enable together. That I think is the most important metric because it, it will help enhance and grow the ecosystem. It will mean more people are, are partnering with this new company and the platforms you're investing. And that all translates into a profitable company by any financial metric. But I'd, in a short form, say, let's look outside for success because we'll be achieving that on the inside as a result. Well, I appreciate so much that you took the time today to join us on FinTech Brews. Um, this is an exciting time. This is an exciting day. Um, we're, uh, we are announcing uh, to the world effectively that, uh, that there's a partnership here that we think uh, is going to be a real game changer in this space. Um, we are very appreciative of the work that Tony and his team and Ryan and his team have done to look at central payments and say, yeah, this is consistent with, with our investment strategy. We see growth and opportunity here. And, uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited. So, uh, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. Um, anything you want to add, Nikki? I just think for everybody that's, uh, listening, the intentionality that we bring to the table, um, 
as a leadership team, it can be hard to be intentional. But what Ryan and Tony both have said is there's an intentionality behind how you uh, partner with people and what the future looks like. And if we stay true to that intentionality of serving well um, through our value propositions and staying true to who we are is, is really important. So I'm grateful that you guys look at it that way and that it's not just about, about the bottom bottom line. So, so thank you for your support. Thanks for, um, you know, this, this next chapter and enabling this for us. It's going to be great. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you guys too. We're looking forward to it. Talk soon. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls FinTech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.